I'm Theo. And I'm Juliet. And this is Apologies Accepted. We offer an entertaining look at some of the big issues in history by examining public apologies of the famous and infamous. We're looking at politicians, serial killers, actors, and you. Send us a public apology you would like to make, and we'll read it on the air and give you a chance to redeem yourself or just get some guilt off your shoulders. We're here for you. Once a week, maybe more if you're really, really sorry. Apologies accepted. The, the podcast. podcast. And I'm not Theo. And I am not Juliet. Which is sad for you. It is. But not today, anyway. Struggle along being Theo. <laughs> <laughs> I have a Juliet mask and I put it on from time to time. Oh, oh, that that, sounds I bet creepy. that helps. Yeah. All right. So what's shaking, bacon? What's shaking, oh, shaking, shaking? So much of nothing, which is. Um, Always the best place to be. It's wonderful when, like, nothing's happening. Uh, There's nothing worth reporting. Terrible problems, yeah. Nope. Um, I told you that I had fixed the sprinkler system at our rental house. Yeah. Right? So cool. And I planted a little herb garden that's also now Henry's favorite place to pee, which is fine. (laughs) Whatever. Never going to eat them anyway. Um, And I've been sprinkling the walls, the walls, the water on the lawn. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh-huh. And uh, I got a message from the uh, utility company, and they were like, you might have a leak at your house because your water is really being used at an extreme wow. rate, and you better get it looked at. And I was like, maybe, wow. but have you seen my roses? Oh, they're <laughs> out of this world right now. So, uh, yeah, I'll say like, oh, well, I'll tell you what's going on. Today is Easter Sunday. Oh, shit. Yes, it is. Yes, Happy it Easter. is. Happy Easter. It's also Passover. Happy Passover. I don't know that I we guess. say happy Passover. But I think we say. <laughs> and it's also Ramadan. Oh, that's nice. And that is apparently is a very extremely rare occurrence oh. in the calendars when all three of these sacred holidays line up to occur at exactly the same time. I see. So, um, there you go. I went to Target yesterday and I bought a bunch of candy, which was not on sale. I was going to ask you if you went to Target and bought a bunch of candy. I went to Target and I bought a bunch of candy. <laughs> oh, I did worse than that. I went to the stupid outlet and I need to stay away from there. I bought this, um, it's called a smoke box and it's this really pretty glass box and you put drinks in it. You can put food in it too, but we're going to use it for drinks. And then you fill the box up with wood chip smoke and the smoke infuses the drink. So you oh get like God. a smoky, you know, Manhattan or whatever. Right. Um, you could do it with cheese, I suppose. Or what else would you what else would you might? Is that English? What, what else, else would, you, would you might? What else, what else might would you? you might smoke? smoke? I don't know. That's interesting. How, how much did you pay for the smoke box? James, how dare you grab a Juliet mask and then pretend to be Juliet on the podcast. I'm not going to fall for that trick. I can't I imagine. got it for a dollar. Okay. Oh, I always oh. like to tell Brent that I got things for like 70% off or something. And he's like, you practically saved money. That's exactly. Yeah, I mean, you can save money. They practically paid you. So, like that yeah. $1,200 chair that I bought, I'm still spending that 1000 Oh, yeah. One hundred and fifty. 
sixty dollars. Sixty dollars. Wanted to throw a nine hundred in there too. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, uh, so it was a hundred and seventy nine dollars with wow. tax, right? Wow. Um, at the outlet. Wow. It was on sale. Where did at it the come from? Like originally, where was it? sold like was it, a, was it like a pottery barn thing or william oh, sonoma william thing? sonoma yeah so, okay yeah how interesting i didn't know you could buy things like that that's really cool i mean <laughs> buy, you anything. Could buy anything yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's really kind of cool i'm i'm gonna come over and have some smoked whiskey with you sometime oh what a great idea okay done <laughs> um so yeah so that's that's a lot of what shake and of course i bought it for james as an easter gift Oh, that's right. smart. <laughs> yeah, because I wanted it, and I was like, "Well, what the fuck? He drinks too." That's nice. I think yeah. that's a nice gift. It's it better be. Yeah, it was one hundred seventy dollars. <laughs> wow, I wish we had this. So, what is this outlet? It's in uh, San Marcos. It's about thirty What's minutes it? outside of Austin. What's it called? Oh, I have no idea. It's Prime. So it's like the same management company that manages the one just outside of Palm Springs. And um, Oh, 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 okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. Dozens and dozens of them across the U.S. Right, Um, right, right. It's not unique to Austin. Um, It's uh, pretty good, though, I'm going to say. Um, Sophie's doing well. She, as if you recall, she cut her paw last week and, uh, it's healing up nicely. She's tolerating the cone pretty well. Uh, we were going to go home back to San Francisco this weekend, but, um, the cone that she's in doesn't really fit in the car and I don't want her to lick her wound before it's healed more. So we're going to go home next weekend. Oh, and wow. That is a big cone. I mean, when you said it was big, it's freaking huge. It's like a cone that would be too big for a human. Frankly, if you needed a human cone, which would be a funny idea. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so that's really all that's shaking. I mean, I'm just working a lot, kind of depressed over all the work I have to do, but that's fine. Um, I'm glad I have a job. Grateful to have a job. Glad to be going back home next weekend. Going to have some spring rolls. The first thing I do when I get in the door is order some spring rolls. (laughs) So, dying to have a spring roll. Yeah, but that's it. That's my exciting life. I haven't gone to any outlets. I haven't, although I could go to the Palm Springs outlet on my way home, which is tempting. But no, I don't need any more crap. I've got plenty of crap. Same. <laughs> Absolutely the same. I do not eat another thing. I have a smoke box. That's you got. Like, that's your last thing you ever fuck? need, a smoke box. Right. Well, that's the thing that's going to kill me because I will <laughs> die of smoke inhalation. He <laughs> drank too much smoke. Did you buy like smoke chips or whatever? Chips? Yeah, it comes it comes with like a finger full of smoke chips. Okay. And you probably need like a gallon of them to get the thing really going. Who yeah. knows? I'll find out. I'll have plenty to complain about about the smoke box all later. Right, tell us next week all about the smoke box and how it works. Um so yeah, Sophie's doing really well. Uh everyone's fine. All is well. Everyone's happy. It hasn't been too hot here. It's been great. Um <laughs> that's great. The weather report <laughs> yeah. really caps it off there. <laughs> I'm, I'm 55 years old. This is what I have to talk about. <laughs> Hey, lady, I hear you. That's why we're friends. That's right. Well, I have weather, too. <laughs> All right. So do you want to talk about soccer? I do not, but we're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. Who cares about soccer? I know people love it, and that's their prerogative. But we have some 
tangential soccer related items to talk about today. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, soccer's kind of involved. Football for our football, British listeners. Exactly. And we'll probably, I, I may call it football. I may call it soccer. I don't know. We'll find out as we go. I will not know the difference between the two, regardless uh, of what I, you call it. I, I don't know the difference in the rules between the two. So there they could be the same exact game to me. It's played with a different ball. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so last Tuesday, Northern Ireland's women's soccer team hosted England in a game in which England made five goals, resulting in a 5-0 defeat for Northern Ireland. And that meant they did not qualify for the Women's World Cup next year, which obviously they had hoped to qualify for. Um, the good thing about the um, about the match, though, was that it uh, brought over 15,000 fans to Belfast Windsor Park, which was a massive crowd for a women's soccer match. And it was actually set an attendance record for a women's soccer match hosted in Northern Ireland, according to the BBC. So that that's amazing. Huh? That's amazing. It'll be the England versus Ireland thing. Oh, right. Oh, right. I didn't even think about that. Um, that's a whole other thing that we don't have time to get that's into. That's a whole other thing we're not even going to talk about. <laughs> we're not even going to talk about. But that's why 15,000 people were there. Yes. And I'm sure it was 14,999 Irish people. Yeah, probably, huh? Um, so the match itself has actually been overshadowed by the comments of the head coach of the Northern Ireland women's national soccer team, whose name is Kenny Shields, regarding their loss. And he said, I thought we, uh, I think this is funny. I thought we outwitted them for long periods until it was 2-0. We knew exactly what they were going to do, and by they, he means England, before they did it. We spoke about it. I felt they were struggling a wee bit at times to open us up, open us up, whatever that means, until the psychology of going 2-0 up in the women's game. So he's saying there that he thought they were smarter, even though they were losing by two points to zero. But anyway, so you got to you got to tell yourself these things, I guess, to continue as a coach. In um, soccer, you do. In soccer. Yeah, right. Because you're not supposed to score very much in soccer, is my understanding. It's not like basketball where you have point seventy eight. No, 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 no. It's not like golf. <laughs> <laughs> There's You're not supposed to score very much. <laughs> it's soccer. Oh my god. Oh, I'm so glad that's recorded. Please go. Please keep talking. Tell me more. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm crying. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so I'm offended. But Kenny said <laughs> Kenny said, I'm sure you will have noticed if you go through the patterns. When a team concedes a goal, they concede a second one in a very, very short space of time, right through the whole spectrum of the women's game, because girls and women are more emotional than men. So they take a goal going in not very well. When we went 1-0 down, we tried to slow it down to give them time to get that emotional imbalance out of their heads. That's an issue we have, not just in Northern Ireland, but all of the countries in the world. I shouldn't have told you that. So, right I, I didn't watch the um, the recording. I didn't watch it either. This. I didn't want to. Uh, I would like to see how how he just exactly how he said that, right? His, because in, 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 what? Oh, I mean, it's yeah, it's like it's weird that he's like, I shouldn't have told you that, right? Right. Like, he's like, I know I said something that that was uh, questionable or not politically correct or whatever, and I shouldn't have said that. Exactly. But then also, textually, it reads as if he knows a secret that he's let out. Right. Right. So he shouldn't have told the world that women are emotional. 
Yeah. Because nobody else knows. Uh, um, is how you is how you could read it, and, it's, but it doesn't uh, matter. Yeah, I, you're a thousand percent right. Um, he meant it as like, uh, oh, I said something I shouldn't have. Yeah, whoopsie, I was bad. I said something negative. Uh, so uh, there's a former former soccer player uh, who played for Arsenal. It says Arsenal in England. I don't know what that means. Um, oh, that means it's a really big team. Um, you're you're either Arsenal or Manchester. It's kind of like I don't know if this like there are people who like the cowboys the in american football uh-huh. and you either like the cowboys or you don't there's uh-huh. no middle ground okay. right or you don't care that i guess that's the middle ground right so yeah it's arsenal or manchester uh, um and, well why does it say arsenal in england isn't arsenal in england it is why does it say arsenal and england oh i take that back mm-hmm. i don't know arsenal now. and england player ian wright Anyway, all I could tell you is the Rangers are the best soccer team in the world, and they're Scottish. Okay, <laughs> I have an image in my mind of how well they perform based on that, which is funny. But um, so, former Arsenal and England player Ian Wright went to Twitter to slam Shields for his remarks and declared that Shields was talking foolishness. He added, "Talking about emotional women, didn't that man see how many times I was crying on the pitch?" KMT. So he was defending women and. Um, um, getting on shields for talking talking foolishness, as he said. Um, and he provided in his tweet a photograph of himself tearing up. So men cry too, everybody. And here's uh, Ian Wright to tell you that he cried uh, when he was playing soccer or football. And then a guy named Tom Blow, I can only presume that's his real name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I am a third grader. And yeah, Tom, uh, change that name. He tweeted, after Northern Ireland qualified for Euro 2022 last April, Kenny Shields said, it is incredible what they have achieved. I look at my staff and there are grown men crying and I am nearly in bits myself. So Kenny Shields understands himself that men cry occasionally and that it's okay. Um, So he's full of shit, basically. Uh, And Siobhan Chamberlain, who is the former goalkeeper for England's women team, said that Shields needed to be aware of the message that your words can carry. We all know, and we get it drilled into us as footballers, the five minutes after you concede a goal, the five minutes after you score a goal across the board, not just in women's football, in men's football as well, you're more likely to concede a goal. You're more likely to potentially go on to score again, she told the BBC. That's not just in the women's game. That's in the men's game as well. And to just generalize that to women is a slightly bizarre comment. Well, what he's doing there is he's blaming he's got to find a reason outside of his coaching for why the team lost. Right. And so that reason is that the women were too emotional and their emotions get in their way and it interferes with the game. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So Shields himself has been manager of Northern Ireland's women's team since 2019. And he actually had to step away from giving post-match interviews when he was manager of Greenock Morton in 2014 after speaking to a doctor and saying he had trouble keeping his emotions in check after matches. So a doctor told him this, that he needed to step away from from post-match interviewing because he has trouble keeping his emotions in check. I did not know that. That is so telling. Isn't it? 
And yes. uh, the controversial comments that he'd made around refereeing decisions had also played a part in his firing by Kilmarnock the previous year. But just two, two years later, he was back in the spotlight. And while he was manager of Derry City in 2016, Shields told reporters that international football is not what it used to be. He described Republic of Ireland players as England's reserves and Northern Ireland's players as England's reserves reserves. So I don't know how he still has a job after saying all this stuff. I mean, he's got to have enough wins under his belt to maybe get away with saying bullshit, random things over the years. And yeah, but I mean, there are always problematic coaches, right? The yeah. idea behind coaching is you, your anger and passions, the team and they, you bond to each other in such a way that it's almost like a drill sergeant in whatever they call that in the army. When you go in for the first it's bit. A drill sergeant. Oh, I don't know. Drill sergeant, I, I but like idea. it's your dang, what do they call that? Boot camp. Oh, boot camp. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they Tear break you, you down, down from your normal you passions. Up. Yes. <laughs> so, anyway, um, uh, you know, th so coaches angry and and emotional in that, like, they, they fire up their team. Um, sure, that's that's pretty standard. And there have been some controversial coaches, which now that I say that, I'm like, oh, that would have been an interesting thing to research. But I didn't oh. research controversial coaches at all. I bet there are a lot of them. Probably like a really famous one who murdered his entire team. And I'm just blanking on it right now. I bet coaches have real ego issues. Of course they do. I mean, <laughs> coaches, politicians, everyone you know, who's got us. Everyone except us. Everyone except us. We're the following. And our everyone. listeners. And our Gotta throw that one in there friend. real quick. <laughs> They're listeners. <laughs> yes. So Suzanne Rack of The Guardian notes that there's surprisingly no science behind Shields claims that women are over emotional and that the more frequent scoring of goals by women than men could be due to inexperience or a fitness gap that could be explained by fewer women players than men being full-time professionals. Because obviously women's soccer is less popular than men's soccer, so they don't get to play full-time. They are only part-time uh, sure. athletes. Um, regardless, she said, inherent in Shields' comment is that there is something wrong with being emotional and that in this scenario, men aren't and women are, and that this is a problem that needs fixing. It is a big concern when the person saying it is in charge of the progress and development of a senior women's national football team the message it sends to young boys and girls is not a good one. Amen, Suzanne. Right. Guardian. And that's the real issue is that he's in charge of people of that he sees as being unable to perform well. Yeah. Because I mean, basically of unable some to control inherent themselves. biological difference. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, as you alluded to before we started podcasting, men are, are really just as emotional as women, but it comes out as anger rather than. Um, sadness or or you know tears or something like that it comes out as anger and that is perceived by people as passionate as being passionate and um, dedicated rather than crying which seems weak right exactly men are strong and getting stuff done and women are helpless and yes. break into tears and flap their hands around waiting for man to come and fix everything yep and of course women are trained from birth not to be angry and men are trained from birth not to cry so, I mean, there you go. It's, there's no question as to why you see one in, in one gender more than another. It's just the way we're socialized. Right, exactly. And there's this idea out there that because that these differences are biologically driven right. rather than culturally learned. Right. And that the biological differences, therefore, are concrete proof and evidence that women are inferior to men. Yeah, which is a whole issue there because, I mean... 
why would crying be inferior to anger in the first place? I think that we need to sit down and think about that. So um, I don't have the answer. I don't have the answer either. I, tr I was working on a joke and then I was like, oh, no, <laughs> better not. <laughs> yeah. So do you have any more to say before we get into the apology? Well, um, I do. So let's see where, where this could fit in. We could talk about the apology and then go into what I found interesting and worth tracking in this story. Because <laughs> for me, it was just sports and and it felt real obvious as to what the situation was. Right. But what sparked me was, what sparked me? What's where I, the line of pursuit that I followed uh -huh. was initially, are there physiological differences between men and women oh boy. That, that allow for emotional states? Are women physiologically more primed to, uh, to be, well, I'll say to be emotional, but um, and then it was like, oh God, no. Cause you know, if you, if that's your question, that will be the answer that you will find uh -huh. on the internet. Yeah. So, um, so it was, it became a little too big for me, but then I just, as my life is so lucky, <laughs> I just random luck, just standing there saying, I wonder about emotions. And I found a podcast called brain science and I am such a fan. Really? So Oh yeah, um, huge fan because it's all about uh, neurology and neuroscience and biochemical drives and is it? It's just really interesting. Is it by um, scientists or is it by people like us? Oh no, it's by a little old lady who knits. <laughs> <laughs> that might. Oh, that would be fun. people like us. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> totally. Um, Yes, it is, it is by sci scientists. Science. Scientists have done this podcast. Um, and so I, I went down that route. What are emotions? What's the biophysiology of emotions? Um, and and that's kind of where I'm at. So is that a before or after apology? Let's do it now. Oh. I'm interested. I can't wait. Let's do it now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, real quick, I decided I would take a look at um, emotions through the ages and then cultural differences in emotions, moving into gender differences in emotions, moving to modern understanding of emotions. Holy so, okay. yeah, I know that sounds like a lot, but really it's like one sentence for each of them <laughs> until I get to the podcast where I literally wrote down everything the female scientist said in oh. an unemotional way. Oh. Yes. Yes. She was a woman. Um, so, our understanding of emotions are culturally based, right? And cultures change over time. Yes. So um, there was an idea in the, let's call it the 1950s, that in the uh, Middle Ages, people were less emotional. Huh. And that particularly parents and spouses were less emotionally connected to each other because the mortality rate was so high. Oh. And so the idea was, oh my God, all these people in the medieval ages had like 14 kids and, you know, 10 of them are going to die. And yeah. so you can't get too attached to your kids. And the, 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 the Middle Ages was just like this terrible wasteland of, of emotional connection, uh -huh. right? That just didn't happen because you couldn't afford to expend emotional energy because it was always going to res result in death, right? Yeah. And so... 
Uh, that was a brainchild of Professor Lawrence Stone, who taught at Princeton for 27 years. And he graduated, well, not he himself, but like, you know, a lot of historians took his class. And that was a viewpoint that was just adopted. Um, and it it really is still there in in history, right? Mm-hmm. And by the way, we're number 343 globally in the history podcast. Yay. So I've got to at least mention something historical about this <laughs> in order to justify that to justify that ranking and world. Oh my gosh, I feel for you. Um, okay. So, uh, great. That, that was the understanding for a long while. It was just a given. However, uh, a, um, a series of diaries was found and I don't know when it was found. So I apologize for that. But Richard Napier, who was the rector of great Linford Buckinghamshire in England, who served his community from 1959 to 16th. So I lied. 1559 to 1634. So right in the sweet spot uh-huh. of when people didn't have emotions. Right. Had over 45 diaries oh. um, for the period of 45 years when, when he was rector. Wow. And it was a series of over 10,000 entries of people coming to him with emotional issues. Oh, wow. The loss of a child, the loss of a spouse. So Lawrence Stone was wrong. And we have empirical evidence that this little hamlet in yeah. the middle of nowhere, yeah. the completely unimportant, the most average of average places. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Buckinghamshire. I'm, I'm sure now. you're better now. <laughs> anyway, so um, so people were feeling things then. Um, emotions in the Victorian era were a little more repressed. It wasn't polite to let your emotions out in public and society. And then uh, in terms of cultures, this is just general broad stroke things, right? Americans are seen as more emotional than Brits. Brits are a little more reserved. Mm-hmm. Um, Singaporeans are the least likely in the world to report experiencing emotions of any kind on a daily basis. Wow. The 36% who report feeling either or positive, either positive or negative emotions is the lowest in the world. That's low. Yeah, well... I had no idea. The internet told me, and I'm going to believe it. Um, so, so yeah, right? And then we move into gender. So we've hit a little bit of history. We've hit a little bit of culture. We've hit, now we're hitting gender. And I just have a real quick uh, uh, section from an abstract of an article entitled, Gender and Emotion in the United States. Do Men and Women Differ in Self-Reports of Feelings and Expressive Behavior? And so here's the abstract. U.S. emotion culture contains beliefs that women are more emotional and emotionally expressive than men and that men and women differ in their experience and expression of specific emotions. Surprisingly, self-reports do not support cultural beliefs about gender differences in the frequency of everyday subjective feelings in general. Men and women do, however, differ in the frequency of certain positive and negative feelings which is explained by their difference in social position. For real. The implications of the findings for theory and research on both gender and emotion are discussed. Out. <laughs> yeah, you can pretty much ignore that last sentence because then that's moving into the article. I didn't, it was a straight copy paste. Um, I thought that was the sentence. It was the real kicker there. And it wasn't. It was the one I read before that when you were like, for real. Um, so then... Then it started tracking with like the neuroscience, right? And that's where um, brain science by, oh, I want to know your name, Ginger Campbell. Dr. Ginger Campbell comes into play. Huge fan, huge fan, Dr. Campbell. 
Um, so neurobiology and cognitive neurosciences are two different disciplines that are starting to talk to each other. And that's an issue in science that it can be very siloed within a discipline. And one discipline has a jargon that the other discipline doesn't share. And, but their findings, they should be talking to each other. Right. So, um, in, and this is just all about like, what, what is the physiology of emotions? Not what is the psychology of emotions, right? But what is the physiology? And so, um, in neurobiology, systems neurobiology use vocabulary from neurophysiology, cellular biology, chemistry, and molecular biology. Their focus is microscopic. They avoid talking about the mind. It's the parts and the interplay between the parts. Whereas in cognitive neuroscience, I, I'm going to say all these smart words in a really dumb way, um, gets its terms from psychology and they do talk about the mind. They're macroscopic, not microscopic. To understand the divide, Gen Z, I'm talking to you. Wetness does not happen at the molecular level. One molecule of water is not wet. So um, neurobiology is looking at all the little tiny bits and cognitive neuroscience needs all the little tiny bits lumped together mm -hmm. in order to understand what they're actually really looking at, what, what the, what the experience is. Okay. Um, okay. So let's see, uh, two scientists from Caltech. I don't have their names, but they are in episode 135 of brain science have the basic premise that emotions are states of the brain. Mm -hmm. There are lots of popular ideas around emotions and I am now going to tear many of them apart. <laughs> thanks to these doctors. <laughs> Okay, so some, these are all just commonly held beliefs. There are very few primary emotions, anger, there's love, there's fear, and that's kind of sort of name another prime, happiness, I suppose, right? Um, that emotions are triggered by specific stimuli, that emotions control our behavior, that different emotions are located in different discrete areas of the brain. So you have one part of physical part of the brain where happiness resides, or you have one physical part of the brain where fear resides. Um, primary emotions are irreducible, which just basically means that, that fear is one singular emotion right. and there's no way to distill it, it down to right. exactly. Look at you knowing what irreducible. I had to look it up. Um, the uh, another belief is emotions are like reflexes. Specific emotions cause fixed and specific behaviors. That emotions are purely subjective experiences, and that emotions are universal, all felt the same, hardwired into us. So, um, all of this is either unproven or completely wrong. For instance, the belief that emotions control our behavior. No, emotions influence, they don't control. Different emotions are located in different discrete areas of the brain. Completely wrong, mm -hmm. not true at all. Uh, the emotions are like reflexes, that's wrong. They're developed through learning and that they're universal emotions, that's also wrong. So um, Dr. Louis de Soho, who wrote a book entitled The Emotional Cognitive Brain, this will be getting into uh, 
specific areas of the brain controlling specific emotions. And then we're going to move into what the current understanding of, of what emotions are in the brain and from a physiological uh, viewpoint. So, all right. Uh, his research shows the amygdala is involved in decision-making. He comes to the primary conclusion that emotions and cognition, and cognition is defined as decision-making, are so intertwined as to be inseparable. Emotions may have evolved from reflexes, but they are more complex and more flexible. The evolutionary role seems to be in promoting complex, flexible behavior. So you can already see a benefit there. If you have complex and flexible behavior, you're more adaptable to certain environmental situations, right? Oh, my child's being eaten by a tiger. <laughs> I don't know why I had to go to that. <laughs> oh, I put my finger in the fire and I'm sad. I don't know. The tiger thinks they more appropriate. Um, so discrete emotions do not come from discrete brain regions. There are no macroscopic or big areas of or regions dedicated to emotions. So and don't freak out. Fear is not located in the amygdala. So <laughs> when I took physiology, I learned all about how the amygdala is a part of the brain that controls emotions around fear uh -huh. and stores fear-based memories, right. right? Oh my God, my child was eaten by a tiger. I better not have another one. My amygdala remembers when that child was eaten by that tiger. So I will never have another child. God, I think it's because I started off with Lawrence Stone and his, his theory about kids. Um, Okay, so emotions as internal functional states are not the same as the conscious experience of emotions. So basically your body has one experience of emotion and we'll keep it with fear because we're still talking about the amygdala. Um, and so your heart rate's going to go up, your blood pressure's going to go up, um, your your body's going to wire itself for fight or flight, right? Um, and so... That actually turns out not to be the case. The amygdala is not the center of fear. Um, there are these studies where people have had their amygdala damaged, and and the studies sort of, they don't even sort of, they say like, oh, the person lost all sense of fear, right? They sleep with the door wide open now. They they don't even lock the front door. It's right. wide open, right? They, right? they threw away all their guns. They have no fear. They go walking at midnight down the most crime-ridden streets of America because they just have no fear. It's almost like the superpower, right? Um, and so um, while, while, yes, those studies do show that, right, um, in animal studies, they haven't uh, done this on humans quite yet, they have found that the ventral medial hypothalamus contains neurons necessary and sufficient for the expression of innate defensive behaviors. The hypothalamus also seems to be involved in coordinating central emotional states, which makes sense because it also coordinates a lot of hormones. Um, and the big finding was that certain fear states can be generated in humans that don't have an amygdala, right? So this idea that the amygdala controls fear and it's the repository, the part of the brain where fear resides. No, it seems like fear is something that involves several parts of the brain. It's not as simplistic as this is where your happiness is, right? Um, and this is where your fear is. Okay, so allow me to introduce you to Dr. Lisa Feldman Barrett. 
who was guest on episode number 151 of Brain Science. And what an amazing episode, what an amazing series. Um, she started off work as a grad student who was interested in emotions and how people dealt with them. And she did a big study for like three years and her findings didn't add up. And so she was super depressed. And through that experience, she, she asked herself the question, well, what if our beliefs are wrong? And ta-da, now she is a world-famous scientist who has discovered there are not discrete sections of the brain that control specific emotions. Everything happens in concert between not only different regions of the brain, but it, it requires shared uh, neural pathways. So the chemicals that um, induce sort of a right elevated heart rate for fear are the same pathways that some of the, some of the dopamine chemicals slide down when they're like, you're going to be so happy. Um, okay. So emotions are not regions. They are maybe networks was kind of where she was sliding towards. And she discovered that there are no individual networks for emotions. Now they look for patterns of actively distributed electrical impulses across the whole brain. And so looking at tens of thousands of M uh, fMRI, so that use magnets, right? Um, looking at tens of thousands of scans of human brains in varying states of, of emotion, right? You can find an entire brain pattern and you can see anger, you can see sadness, you can see fear, right? Um, but that pattern is not consistent across other scans. So one person looking at their scan, you can say, oh, look, their brain lights up in this specific pattern when they're afraid. Oh, look, their brain lights up in this other specific pattern when they're happy. That's not universally true. Different people have different patterns, but that person is still experiencing fear or happiness, right? Um, let's see. So all systems in your body, including your brain, have to be metabolically efficient. It's important to the normal functioning of the nervous system. The brain takes up about 20% of the metabolic rate. It's an expensive organ, and therefore it has to be really efficient. The most efficient way to run a... expensive organ? Well, meaning in terms of, uh, of the use of uh, metabolism. Okay. Right, yep. So it uses 20% of the energy. It, it, the brain uses 50% of all your glucose. So whenever you're eating and you're taking in energy and yeah, a lot of that glucose is going to blah, half of it's going to keep your brain moving. Um, so the most efficient way to run a system is not to have the system light dormant and then wait to be activated. The most efficient way um, for a system to run is to predict running a model to predict what's going to happen and then using input to correct those predictions. So what she's finding is that the brain is always in, and I'm not going to say it's always in an emotional state. The brain is always in an everything state, right? It's, it's looking out for what's going to happen to you uh, physically. It's looking out for what's going to happen to you emotionally. It's looking out for what's going to happen to you for everything, right? Because uh, I can't think of another thing other than environment and emotions. Um, so when you look at the structure of the brain and how neurons are connected to each other, when you look at the physiology of how things work, when you look at the electrical system processing, 
it becomes clear that the brain is organized to predict, not to react. When we have emotions, it feels to us like we are reacting to the things that are happening in the world, but the brain isn't acting, or sorry, the brain isn't reacting, it's predicting events. Your brain is constantly guessing what's going to happen next, and these guesses are the basis of your emotions. The brain's predicting what's going to happen a moment from now, what you're going to see, hear, taste, and feel. When that moment arrives, the brain uses the sensory input to either confirm or correct those predictions, and that becomes your experience. So here's a, here's a little, uh, what do they call it? Experiment. That's it. Little test or proof, as I've written down. This is proof. So we're talking, and it feels like that you're listening to me and you're reacting to my words, and that we're talking to each other and we're reacting to each other's words, but your brain is using years and years of experience with the English language. Your brain is predicting every single word that is coming out of my <laughs> ass. <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> That's the new T-shirt. Um, so, yeah, and it's jarring to us when what we're predicting doesn't, doesn't happen. happen. Yeah, right. That's true. Uh, um, so sort of not so much sort of, but not really an experiment, but it's a, a thought exercise. So imagine a Granny Smith apple. Okay. And you can see it. Yep. Can you hear the crunch? Yep. Cool. Can you imagine the taste? Sure. That means you're hungry. No. Um, <laughs> I'm always hungry. <laughs> so your brain is firing neurons in the visual cortex, the auditory cortex, and in parts of the brain that are important in representing taste to change their firing in the absence of an apple. That's what your brain is doing when it's making a prediction. It's anticipating what the sensory changes are going to be in the next moment and preparing you for the experience. Mm. If I hand you an actual Granny Smith apple, and if you predicted well, no information about that apple will actually make it very much further into your brain because your neurons are already firing in a way to capture it. Interesting. So there's nothing new about the apple to know, huh. right? Um, your brain only takes in information that mm. it doesn't predict. Mm. And this process is called learning. Mm. Right? Yeah, I wish all of this was mine, but it's all tra <laughs> literally transcribed what Dr. Lee said. So your brain said. is constantly learning, and that is what determines your emotions. No, prediction is what uh, determines your emotions. Learning is what determines... Prediction's the active state the brain is always in, yes. right? And so your your emotions aren't... Well, so we'll finish this, and then, and then we'll talk. Okay. Right? Um, okay, so that's called learning. Your brain is also, your brain is also makes predicts. My typing is so good. <laughs> it was a casual conversation that Dr. Feldman was having with uh, Dr. Campbell. Um, your brain also makes predictions for emotions, what you will feel in your body. You have a system for your heart, cardiovascular system. You have a respiratory system. You have an immune system. You have a system for salt regulation, system for metabolism. There are hundreds and hundreds of systems that your brain has to control. Your brain has to predictively control those systems. Your body has to predict what it needs before those needs arise to ensure that you'll have what you need, right? right? Otherwise, you'll be sick. So if your brain is going to cause you to stand up, 
it has to increase your blood pressure before you stand up. Right. Otherwise, you will faint right. due to a lack of oxygen. Oh, right. Okay. Well, right. And so that's kind of kind of her ultimate thing. Her finding was that emotions are constructed. Our brain constructs our emotional experiences using the same circuits and functions it uses to construct everything else we experience, including our perceptions of the world. And so this is what was happening on the pitch. I use a soccer word <laughs> with the team, right? It wasn't that their emotions were getting in the way. It was that they understood emotionally there wasn't any need to expend the energy to continue trying to win when they'd already lost. Okay, I'm not sure I'm following. Yeah, I know. It felt real clear um, to me yesterday in the outlet when I had my podcast <laughs> playing in my ears. Um, so, so yeah, I, I was like, aha, that's what was happening on the field. The women weren't immobilized because of their emotions. They were learning, and what they determined probably, I'm going to, I guess I'm at a subconscious level, right? Was, there was, so his thing was that the women were freezing up because they were so emotionally overwhelmed, right? But instead of being emotionally overwhelmed, they were learning how the game was going and, and sort of the, what would you call it? It's that loss cost formula. I don't know. Oh gosh, I, I'll after we finish recording, it'll come back to me, it. and I'll be like, "Oh, it's the cost analysis thingy, yeah. right?" But but whatever it is, they just determined that there wasn't any need to to continue playing hard to try and win because it was very evident to them that they were only going to lose. Well, maybe also the implication is that everybody's brain works the same way, in that everyone's brain is constantly predicting what's going to happen. And when your brain is predicting that you're going to lose, I don't know where I'm going with this. Right. Me either, but you're in the same place I am. Okay. Um, and so, so yeah. I like, feel really dumb uh, right now. No, it's that it's new information from I'm scientists. And, <laughs> right. Exactly. Me, and, me too. And notice that we're not getting emotional about it. That's right. Um, no, I, I love this idea that the brain is simply a collection of neurons bathed in chemicals surrounded by, you know, flashes of electricity. Yeah. Right. And that all of that is what makes our experience in the world It's possible. pretty amazing. Right. And so um, all of those little flashes and, and particles and all of that that's that's what's happening yeah. but then our experience and i'll go back to the thing that might have been a little confusing for uh, some listeners because i probably poorly explained it was that's our wetness right that the all the little concert of things happening in our brain when we put it all together that's our wetness but when we look at the little individual things that's the molecules of water and so I felt like Kenny Shields was saying that women are inferior to men because they're emotional. Yeah. And, and he was. Yeah. Right. And I think that 
Dr. Lisa Feldman's, and I'm mispronouncing her last name, but Dr. Lisa, I will just call her. She's now a fan of the show officially. Uh -huh. Hi, Lisa. Uh -huh. um, I think that the women weren't emotional. I think that he's not a good enough coach for that team. He yeah. may be an amazing coach. Yeah. Right. Um, he's and not the that, right coach for the team. Well, no. I mean, clearly, he would. He needs to resign from that. From right. that, and the team probably loves him too. They probably well, we'll understand what he meant. Oh, oh. Well, let's talk about that now because that's my neuroscience lesson for the day. Okay. All right. Thank you. That was interesting. I'm going to go back and listen to that podcast, Brain Science. And don't you dare text me and say you got this bit wrong. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't say any of that, Theo. <laughs> she said it doesn't work that way. So we do have an apology from Shields. Um, in a statement published on the Irish Football Association's website, he said, I wish to apologize for my comments made in the post-match press conference last night. I am sorry for the offense that they have caused. Last night was a special occasion for the women's game in Northern Ireland, and I am proud to manage a group of players who are role models for so many girls and boys across the country. I am an advocate for the women's game and passionate about developing opportunities for women and girls to flourish. So that apology was shit. Um, totally. Yeah. I'm sorry for the offense. That is like rule number one of how not to apologize. Correct. Already discount everything that comes out of your mouth after that. Yeah. You, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm sorry you feel that way. That is bad. And you don't ever say that. You say, I'm sorry I did whatever. And I'm sorry that, um, you know, whatever. So you, you take take responsibility for what happened. And he sort of just apologized for his comments but only because they may have caused offense. And Sorry, all you crazy people took offense at what I said. Uh, the Guardian said the people make mistakes and in the heat of the moment can word things in a way that they don't truly mean, but Shields' apology for offense caused without any recognition of the inaccuracies or inappropriateness is ultimately a non-apology. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, a thousand percent. Yeah. It's like it's you shouldn't have apology. said, why say anything at all? Yeah, exactly. Why would you? Former Ireland captain Emma Byrne said, I'd be surprised if he is the manager for the next game, to be honest. You can't discriminate like that. It's the one thing you don't need in women's football. And sure, absolutely. I'm with you, Emma. Um, but interestingly, the Northern Ireland women's team captain, Marissa Callahan, defended Kenny Shield, Shields um, by saying, uh -huh. in light of recent events, collectively we stand by our manager, noting that he is a man of integrity who cares for us like we are family. And I think that's crazy. And I think I'd be surprised if everybody on the team agreed with that statement. But um, I think it's probably a little bit of socialization there. Uh, someone said Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, I was just going to say, oh, that's Stockholm Syndrome. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's really yeah. Stockholm Syndrome because they haven't been abused as far as I know. But um, but yeah, I mean. I suppose. Oh, I I bet you there's some uh, practice tapes that would make both of us very uncomfortable in oh, terms really? of like what is a. I mean, the coach is not showing up with cupcakes for everybody. No, right? He's and not giving them hugs. Here's my question: Why don't they have a woman coach? Well, the, because it's <laughs> they need a man. <laughs> I mean, somebody somewhere is a woman who can coach this team. Absolutely. There's an amazing female soccer coach who won, like, I don't know, two really important games. And I'm sorry, soccer fans out there. 
I know you're all screaming her name at me. And, um, and she doesn't want to um, move into professional. I think she's like college level, oh. um, something like that. She doesn't okay. want to move into professional. She likes what she's doing kind yeah. of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, and let's put it this way. As non-sport enthusiast as I am, yeah, if same. I know that there's an amazing female coach out there who doesn't want to move up to another level or whatever, whatever it was, right? Uh, but it was like super winning. Uh, there's more than just the one. Oh yeah, there's got to be. There's got to be plenty. And I don't know well, why women's teams have male coaches, but I mean, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong in believing that women's men teams have, should have women's coaches. Men have. Well, I mean, so good question, right? Because maybe you are wrong in saying that it should be a woman because then that sort of tracks with there's some biological, physiological difference and that only a female coach would be able to understand female players and well, get them to play in a way. of a societal difference than only women can understand women because mm. only women have been treated like women their whole lives. But that's a whole other area that I'm not qualified to speak on. But you're a woman. <laughs> But I'm not a man. I've never been a man. I don't know what that's like. Um, I could tell you about half of it. <laughs> Why only half? Oh, because I'm gay, so I don't You're have half the man. other half. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so who's sorry now? Um, I probably am for what I just said, but also... <laughs> I will tell you who's sorry now. It's not a who's sorry now. It's apology expected. Um, and so a dolphin was stranded on a Texas beach and it died after being harassed by a crowd of people who tried to ride the animal. Ugh. The Texas Marine Mammal Stranding Network um, posted a thing on Facebook when the female uh, dolphin was found stranded but alive on Quintana Beach in Texas last Sunday. So this happened uh, April 16th. So I don't know, like pre-April 16th, a couple of days. Eighth? Um, Ninth? Yeah, no, no idea. So we'll just say uh, in April of 2022, a dolphin was stranded on a beach and a bunch of beachgoers tried to push her out into the water yeah. and then tried to ride and swim with her. And she died. Uh, that's terrible. It is terrible. And, you know, a couple of thoughts about that. I mean, one of them is, I, yeah, absolutely. Rescue the mammals. Yeah. Right. Throw water on them. Do, do whatever you can. But if the, if they've stranded themselves on the beach, they may be gravely Ill, Ill with right? something that's really contagious. Like COVID. <laughs> they could be. You people didn't learn from the monkeys in the wet market. Yeah. And Wuhan. And now you're going to get us all fish sickness. But no, <laughs> that that dumb joke aside, um, <laughs> just awful and terrible. And and the reason I share that is how is it connected? Well, I talked about animals a little bit, animals and emotions and people. And so it's an animal and people story. I see. And it made me sad. It is sad. It's sad that when dolphins die, but it's fine when we eat cows. Um, well, here's what I would say. Okay. I would say that dolphins are, um, ah, my brain, it's just gone. <laughs> it's not because I don't have a good argument. I do. Yeah, um, I it's the reason that I don't eat 
octopodes. I'm right. I don't, Brent doesn't either, and I don't anymore either. So, yeah. Yeah, because cephalopods, I mean, eh, they're kind of sort of a thing, right? But yeah, they have self awareness. Yeah. There's a word I'm looking for. Um, It's not cognizant. No, it's not that, but we'll use that one, right? Uh, they have consciousness. They, they are the people of the sea right. as are whales. Right. Right. But cows are just dumb. They're not that dumb. Though. They, they listen, they're no dumber than dogs. Um, I don't know. I, that's me saying maybe they see, see, I'm not going to win an argument that ends with killing an animal and eating it. <laughs> That's not an argument I can win. I mean, There's I'm no not winning. vegan, so I'm not. I'm making this from a, a. I'm making this argument from a position that I don't currently actually seem to hold. But um, I just. I'm just poking at you. I well, you are, but you know <laughs> what? You you are right. You know, I mean, you're you're not wrong. Um, yeah, but at the same time, yes, it's like I do have these lines where it's like, well, I won't eat an octopus. Right. Um, but I will eat a fish. Right. I wouldn't eat a dolphin, mm-hmm. but I'll eat a fish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I wouldn't, I won't eat an, an elephant. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, but I will eat a cow. Okay. Um, what about a pig? And, oh, so hard. Cause you know, <laughs> yeah, they're really smart. They are. And, and they are self-aware They are, and, and they're smarter than dogs. Yeah. Um, oh, fuck. I know, it's tough. Huh? I have an Easter ham I'm baking today. Oh, my God. That poor pig. No, I don't. I just said that because I thought it was funny. <laughs> are you making dinner tonight? James is, oh, and no. we are having lamb. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> But listen, it was an evil little lamb. Yeah, okay. It deserved to die. Yes. <laughs> All right. I, okay, what about you? I have an apologies expected, too. Um, and this one's kind of a downer, talking about things dying. Um, so this dude in South Carolina is on death row, and he's scheduled to be the first man executed in the state in over 10 years. Um, he has decided, I, I wouldn't call it decided necessarily, but he has made a, a forced decision to die by firing squad rather than in the electric chair later this month. So um, his name is Richard Moore. He's 57. He uh, is the first state prisoner to face the choice of execution methods uh, because a law went into effect last year making electrocution the default because apparently they can't get the drugs for uh, lethal injection. So because they can't get the drugs for lethal injection, they are forcing prisoners to decide between electrocution and firing squad. Um, So you can get electrocuted or you can face three prison workers with rifles. And in a written statement, Richard Moore said he didn't concede that either method was legal or constitutional, but he more strongly opposed death by electrocution and only chose the firing squad because he was required to make a choice. I believe this election is forcing me to choose between two unconstitutional methods of execution, and I do not intend to waive any challenges to electrocution or firing squad by making an election, he said in the statement. So I'm expecting maybe not an apology, but a lawsuit um, based on this forcing these people to choose between these two terrible methods of death. Mm. Um, and maybe there'll be an apology after the lawsuit is won. But, I mean, I, I'm, I'm opposed to the death penalty at all. I think, of course, I think they're all, all the methods are terrible. Um, 
people probably suffer when they're put to death. People definitely suffer when they're put to death. There's no question about that. But people probably suffer while they're being put to death as well. Um, and there's there's no reason to put people to death. There's other things we can do for people who have committed heinous crimes that does not include killing them. But that's my own personal opinion. Right. Well, same. And even if there was a, a foolproof method to determine guilt, yeah. uh, I would still be against the death penalty. I don't think the state should be in the business of executing exactly civilians exactly this shouldn't be happening should not period. be happening should not be happening and, and as you mentioned i mean the, the way the justice system works right now we kill plenty of innocent people and plenty of people who are not guilty of the crimes which they they're being put to death for so um they may not be totally innocent but they may not be guilty of the crimes they're being put to death for so it, it, while this is the case we should not be putting anyone to death ever period ever. just ever Right. No, ab absolutely agreed. Why Why do the thing that you're against? Right. If it's so bad, right. why are you doing it? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Because it makes you feel good. Oh, God. <laughs> on that note. Um, yeah, I guess on that note. Yes. We'll say it's been another classic episode of Apologies Accepted, the podcast. It's been a challenging episode. For me because i'm interested in the brain science that Theo discusses so i don't know anything about it but um maybe maybe we'll do a part two and come back find another apology that has to do with brain science and discuss that on the on another episode because that would be fun absolutely and uh i can't wait to describe transcribe more of what dr <laughs> ginger campbell has to say Yay. and read it to you as if they're my own words <laughs> all right everybody thank you for being with us all right us. everybody we will see have you have a wonderful week. Time. Have a wonderful time. <laughs> Have a wonderful time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Apologies Accepted, the podcast. You can find links to the articles and the sources in the show notes. To submit an apology or find out more, visit us at apologiesaccepted.net, where you can also find our merchandise. We're on Twitter at Apologies Accepted. And on Instagram at Apologies.Accepted. You can support our important work at Patreon forward slash Apologies Accepted. And fuck Facebook. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>